Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We start today's show with a SparkNotes version, formerly CliffNotes version, so to speak, of the Pentagon leaks. And then we raise some open questions as well, but I think we give a pretty good summary and fairly efficient, plus some analysis mixed in as usual. Then we dig into some other news from Joe and Hunter's trip to Ireland. Oval was there as well, the whole family affair. We have more trans hysteria, including more mainstream companies that are falling for this fad, and you hate to see it. You hate to see it. And more, of course, in the opening of the broadcast. Before we speak with our guest, Sean Patrick Flannery, actor, you might know him from the Boondock Saints, and over a hundred credits on IMDb, which is unbelievable. Other movies, television, he's directing now. But he's the star of the new film Nefarious, which is a must-see. It's a deeply Christian movie, but more importantly, it's entertaining. So not just catering or pandering to an audience like mine. Uh, it is actually trying to entertain my audience, which it does effectively, and I can't recommend it enough. Let's get into it. So we'll start with the biggest item, which is these Pentagon leaks that have come out. And we have identified the individual who is responsible, allegedly. Uh, And this has come out, um, I would say, in the last, I don't know, yesterday afternoon. How about that? Um, and it is a uh, Air National Guardsman who's 21 years old is the one responsible for all the chaos that we've seen in the media, a guy named Jack Teixeira. And I guess online they're cutely referring to him as Jack the Dripper, 21-year-old Air National Guardsman who has been described as a young, charismatic gun enthusiast and has been known on gamer forums, particularly on the social media platform discord is og and he's leaked hundreds of classified military documents and it appeared in a small group chat group chat originally the goal appears to have been to try to gain clout with other young men who like video games yes that is it that appears to be the motive as far as we can tell if that seems odd to you then join the club So he was part of the 102nd Intelligence Wing of the Massachusetts Air National Guard, allegedly, and was promoted to Airman First Class in July of last year. Um, The group includes people who are children. One of the members, 17-year-old, told, I think it was the New York Times, the guy was a Christian anti-war, just wanted to inform some of his friends about what's going on. We have some people in our group who are in Ukraine. We like fighting games. We like war games. So how could someone who is so young and it sounds like a relatively modest post relative to the scheme of our entire government and intelligence, which which implodes, employs hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people, um, He's a 21-year-old, and he's in a Air National Guard in the state of Massachusetts. 
how he could have access to all of these state secrets that would cause a media uproar. Something up. How did he get this type of clearance? How did he get this type of access? And that's not entirely a rhetorical question. I know some of you in the audience might be able to help me answer this. I would like to hear from you today. Um, it's a somewhat rhetorical question in that that sounds insane to me. It also is a somewhat rhetorical question in the sense that how much in these leaks did we not already know? The media certainly acted like a lot of these were revelatory. I brought them up, I believe, was on Monday's show. And I noted that a lot of things seemed familiar. But one thing that wasn't familiar is that Ukraine's Air Force needed more money. So that seems like the sort of thing that might get planted somewhere by someone who's not a 21-year-old airman first class. Perhaps that's someone else is doing. I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. At least five foreign governments, by the way, Ukraine, Russia, Egypt, the UK, and South Korea, all denied that the leaks were authentic. Or at least some of the information in the documents um, themselves were legit. It's very clear they were doctored. China had announced they were happy about it. Here's an interesting tidbit after, quote, after a brief spat with another person on the server about Minecraft maps and the war in Ukraine, one of the Discord users replied, here, have some leaked documents attaching 10 documents about Ukraine, some of which bore the top secret markings. This is according to Ark, sorry, Arik Toller, an analyst at the investigative research group Bellingcat, which he told The Guardian, a UK publication. Minecraft's popular online video game, if you guys are unaware of this. And those documents appear to have um, been shared way back in March. Retired Lieutenant General Mark Hurtling told CNN, a left-wing outlet, I haven't seen anything in the documents I've seen that would cause me as a commander to change my plans. Interesting. Really? It's a massive leak, but ultimately, I guess it amounts to a hill of beans, according to at least one uh, a general or a lieutenant general. I wasn't even aware there were lieutenant generals. I guess that shows my ignorance in certain certain things um, that uh, CNN was able to unearth. Francis Martel, our world editor, Breitbart, has some useful information here. Let me read from some of her reporting on this. The information involving third-party countries, if true, appears to be far more damaging as it calls into question America's relationship with friendly countries. One document claimed, for example, that U.S. intelligence had reason to believe the Egyptian president, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, who maintained poor relations with former President Barack Obama, but it warmed up to the United States under Donald Trump, had greenlit the manufacturing of 40,000 rockets for Russia to use in Ukraine. Egypt has denied this allegation. Another alleged leak claimed that Serbia, one of Russia's closest allies, had agreed to arm Ukraine. Interesting. 
A third bit of alleged intelligence claimed the Biden administration was concerned that newly inaugurated Brazilian president uh, Lula da Silva, who had personally insulted Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky while campaigning last year, would aid Putin. So much Ukraine stuff. Really, really interesting. I'm shocked by this. It seems like things might be coming together. Now, I don't want to go down a conspiracy route, but there's something here a little bit off. There's something here that feels like it might be connected to Ukraine in America's desire to focus almost exclusively on the Ukraine-Russia war. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. And I'm certainly not going to say anything that's going to get me taken out of context. But I will note, there seems to be a pattern emerging. Martel goes on, this is a key bit here. In perhaps the most damning of true document, one of the alleged leaks claims that South Korean officials in the administration of conservative President Yoon Suk-yeol had reservations about sending military hardware to Washington because they did not trust that Biden would not send them to Ukraine, involving Seoul in a war it did not have any, any interest in joining. That claim was of particular concern because the document detailing it claimed that information came from sig signals intelligence, meaning Washington was spying on Yoon's top officials. Wow, we were spying on our allies in South Korea. That is the one thing in here that definitely throws me for a loop because a lot of this does have the vibe of a controlled leak from the U.S. government itself. But why would we leak that we're spying on our own allies in South Korea? Unless, of course, we're okay now in this bizarre moment we live in leaking that we spy on our allies if they're conservative. South Korea's got a conservative president, and we're apparently spying on him. Seems very Biden-esque, doesn't it? Anyway, it doesn't all make sense. Um, Glenn Greenwald, who was the reporter who broke all the Edward Snowden leaks, it's got to be a decade ago, right? How long ago was Snowden? It's got to be close to that and has become um, a popular commentator, less journalist, more commentator lately, but clearly someone who thinks deeply about these issues and has called a lot of them right. Um, he's suggested that most of these things make the U.S. government look good, which is the hallmarks of this is some sort of a controlled leak. But uh, there are a lot of missing pieces here. A lot of people say these things are doctored. They clearly are. Selectively edited might be the way I would phrase it. And of the leaks, a lot of them don't make the U.S. government look very bad. Sloppy, sure. But I don't quite get how one specific person who's 21 years old had access to all this stuff. If this stuff is a big deal, and I can't quite tell that it is. There's a lot of fog of war going on here. Thug Shaker Central, the original gangsta on Discord video game chat with state secrets. Now, it's probably too soon, at least too soon relative to my mortal brain to figure out precisely what's going on. But it is not what meets the eye, I will tell you that.
So um, we'll try to figure out what's going on. We will try to figure out a Breitbart News. I'll ask Francis a lot more when she joins us at a minimum on the live show today. And if you have anything to add, I'm all ears. China is dunking on us, though, which helps the people. If this is a controlled leak, if this is the sort of thing the U.S. government wanted out there, either to control narrative, to send certain signals to Ukraine, Russia, etc., reassure people we really got Ukraine's back, <clears throat> which we do. Love Ukraine. Best border in the world, Ukraine, Russia. Um... But China is dunking on us. They had a headline in their state media, Global Times. Pentagon file leak exacerbates lack of mutual trust between U.S. and allies, a heavy blow to U.S. hegemony. That's what they write in Global Times, by the way. It's commonplace. So China claimed these leaks show the U.S. is the biggest global cyber thief. Not entirely sure their logic on that, but uh, John Hayward's written up for us report news. Vladimir Zelensky, the godlike ruler of Ukraine, who we've all anointed world's most special man, has announced that he needs 14 billion more. So he needs that for whatever he needs, and he's asked global finance leaders to reallocate any money that might be heading towards Russia and uh, send it to him, particularly the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. I'm sure they're trying to see what they can do because there is no limit to the amount of money Ukraine should get because that is the border that matters most. We all know this. It, it should be obvious to all of you that the border on planet Earth that counts the most is Ukraine and Russia. And if you disagree then you do not fit into polite society. Um, we did learn that the U.S. has special forces, special operations forces in Ukraine, which have mission-critical functions. This is another one that stumps me a bit because it shows we have ground troops in Ukraine, which should shock no one, um, and that we're being clandestine about it. We're not being open about it, which should shock no one. However, it's highly aggressive towards Russia, a nuclear power, a power that I think has more nukes than we have. And, you know, I got a lot of family who live in major cities. I might be out of the direct, direct blast radius, personally. But I'm not entirely off the grid, not even close. So I would prefer if our major cities don't get nuked, at least on a personal level. That's a semi-joke for those of you in the Soros-funded freak realm of our economy. Um, I don't want us to get nuked at all. But I'm, I'm wondering if this is a provocation that could bring us closer to that. To be honest with you, I think it's pretty clear it's not, which is interesting. Because for whatever reason, the U.S. is confident enough in this position that Russia is not going to drop nukes. Part of it's probably the China connection. I don't think China wants uh, America nuked. Despite the fact that China and the U.S. are adversaries, I'm pretty certain that China views the U.S. as 
necessary because as we grow, China feels like they're going to absorb us at some point. So they're probably pretty happy with us as we are. Getting increasingly year by year more subservient to China, more becoming a tributary state of China, and then one day they'll just take us over. And I think that's their plan. I, I think China would uh, like to avoid the U.S. getting decimated by Russian nuclear bombs. And so long as that's the case, then Russia is going to be without any allies, any major allies, if it comes to nuking America. So they're just going to have to wear this one. So we've got a few special forces on the ground. I don't know how many, but there is a logic to it. But still, a lot more unanswered questions here than answered ones. Uh, we will try to compile those for you at Breitbart.com in the next day or two. I've tasked my team with that. And any of you who care to weigh in, uh, we'll take your calls in a little bit on this topic. All right, other things in the news. Joe Biden is in, in Ireland, and he's brought his travel buddy Hunter Biden with him. Recall, and I broke this news at in my book, Breaking the News, um, that Hunter Biden had flown on Air Force Two probably a couple dozen times when Joe was vice president. Um, this is something Joe Biden has become somewhat famous for, uh, not really because the press doesn't care about these things, because they don't care about corruption when it comes to the Bidens, as you all know. But uh, Joe Biden likes to, who's never had a lot of money, he's always been relatively poor uh, compared to um, establishment Washington. He made a lot of money between the vice presidency and the presidency on in various things, but still overall, relative to some of the massive, you know, nine, ten-figure net worths that a lot of politicians are able to accumulate over the years, uh, uh, Biden never had that. So one trick he got in the habit of doing years ago, and it continues, he tends to bring family on um, trips where he has access to a lot of planes, airfare, etc. So when he can uh, put it all on the government tab, he doesn't. He's done this since he was a senator, which he got elected to the Senate for the first time in the 70s. So it's been a long time. He's been doing this, 50 years to be precise. So this time brought Hunter with him, brought Hunter to Ireland. Um, I won't belabor this point too much, but Joe Biden is maybe a quarter Irish. I think that's about, about right. But he acts like he's Irish culturally, and um, he's over there, and I don't know what he's supposed to accomplish other than that he likes being in Ireland, and he wants the government to support him, and he feels like he'll get a relatively warm reception, which overall he kind of did, at least warm enough that the media was able to portray it that way. And he brings family members, as he always does, and this time he brought Hunter, who was smiling, having a great time. And Hunter, who as troubled as he is, uh, seems to be in, it seems to be incredibly um, slow. I, I mean, Hunter, Hunter is very troubled, but Hunter is very fast. Uh, Hunter's got a sharp brain that, you know, he's ruined with drugs and bad decisions. But I mean, all accounts suggest that Hunter's a pretty fast guy. And as you guys know, from my analysis over the years, uh, I, I agree with that. 100%. I think that he's actually been quite creative and clever in the way he's grifted our system, which is morally pathetic, but I think intellectually, I think it's fairly impressive. I'm sad to say. So he brings Hunter. So Hunter's like the star of the trip. Hunter's bailing Joe out. 
Um, Joe kept get, uh, talked to a bunch of children, and I, I it doesn't make for great radio, so I won't go through it. But he was asked about what are the keys to his success by children, and he completely lost it. Like he had no idea what was going on. He had no idea what was being asked of him, even though the kids were you know with arms reach of him. And at one point, he said the key to his success was, oh, well, making sure that we all don't have COVID. What, why, what are we talking about here, question mark? And then Hunter stepped in and saved the day. So it's a family thing with the Bidens. That's what they do. That's how they behaved uh, for a very long time. And that's how they will behave uh, for, for going forward. It's very much a family thing that the Bidens do. And it's always been that way. And if you had thought there's some sort of puppet mastery going on with Biden, it's never been like that. It's always been family. It's always been a family effort. Joe's out there in Ireland communing with his heritage, going to cemeteries of old dead Bidens, which he likes to do. Even though it wouldn't be Bidens, probably the Finnegan side of his family. Anyway, I'll break it all down. It doesn't matter. None of you care about this. But what we do care about uh, is that Hunter went and he was a celebrity. He was having a great time. He was smiling to everyone and he was bailing Biden out when Biden was having a brain fart. Biden confused a uh, notorious paramilitary group in Ireland, the Black and Tans, which are known for brutal, brutal attacks, violence. Uh, with the All Blacks, with is a New Zealand rugby team. Let me repeat that for those of you who may have spaced out. He confused a brutal paramilitary group that is pretty much murderous, called the Black and Tans, with the New Zealand rugby team, the All Blacks. Uh, any of you with any inkling of an understanding of the history of Irish politics and Irish terrorism, etc., would know how insane that is, especially for a guy who really feels like he's culturally Irish, which Biden does, even though he's only a little bit Irish when it comes to blood. So needless to say, Republicans were, were outraged. They figured Hunter was out there trying to make a corrupt deal, which I'm sure he was. But he might have just been enjoying the fruits of the family's labor, getting Joe Biden. Uh, after all these years, recall he ran for president the first time in 1988 into the White House. Enjoying their time as he uh, decides whether or not he's going to run for president, he probably will. He is not the oldest American politician right now. I, I don't even know who that title would go to, but the one who gets the most attention is Diane Feinstein. She's on the brink, brink of her 90th birthday coming up here in a couple months. And even Democrats are asking for her to resign. She's got a Democrat safe seat, so it doesn't matter to them who fills it. And with those calls resigned, she's been out of the Senate with health reasons for, or for health reasons for several months now. He's asked Chuck Schumer now to temporarily replace her on key committees, which is incredibly rare. So uh, this is uh, unprecedented, according to Michael Thorning, the, stru the structural democracy director for the Bipartisan Policy Center, 
who's an expert in such things, who we've quoted at Brightburn News. So um, prominent California Democrats and national Democrats, but Ro Khanna, Dean Phillips of Minnesota, others have said that she's got to resign. There is no reason if we respect this body, which how many of us do at this point, which is so sad. U.S. Senate should be revered. There's been fewer than 2,000 senators in the history of this country. It's supposed to be the most thoughtful, deliberative body on planet Earth. But if we really did take this institution seriously, then of course she would resign. And we would try to clear the space for someone who will inevitably have similar politics, probably even more left-wing politics if you're a Democrat. But it's the... um, Unlike Joe Biden, she can't even fake it. She can't even show up. Nancy Pelosi, who is... Is Nancy Pelosi an oxygenarian? Or is she not quite 80 yet? She is 80. She's 83. So fellow octogenarian Nancy Pelosi has called these attacks sexism. So I'm being sexist right now when I say that it makes sense for Diane Feinstein, who had a Chinese spy infiltrate her operation for who knows how long. Time for her to move along and let another left-wing Democrat fill her seat. That is an act of sexism. So to all the ladies in the audience, I apologize for nothing, just to let you know. Pelosi said, she, they've, I've never seen them go after a man who is sick. It's not that she's sick, it's that she's on the brink of death. All right, moving on. A NASA director, or the NASA director, the NASA NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center, yeah, that is a, a, a director, I think that's good, has sworn her oath of office, not on the Bible, but on a copy of Carl Sagan's 1994 book, Pale Blue Dot, Dr. Mackenzie Listrup. She serves as an AIP ASA congressional fellow in the office of uh, Manhattan Representative Edward Markey from 2011-2012. So, left-winger. And a swearing-in <laughs> the office on a uh, science book from Carl Sagan. Now, I, I like Carl, Carl Sagan's, a lot of his work. A lot of it's terrific, unbelievable, mind-blowing stuff. Does not replace the Bible, though. Um... But I suppose there are atheists out there that got to swear in on something. It's, it's a big gap, big gap between the how meaningful one book is and the other. Oh, we laugh so we don't cry some days. That is one that if I uh, was called, if one of you called in and said that was a Babylon B headline, I messed it up. I, I wouldn't hesitate a second before apologizing and retracting it. All right, so jobless claims climbed to 239,000, the highest since January of 2022. Uh, this has been the Fed's goal. The Fed's been raising rates with the intention of trying to um, create a little bit more unemployment. Unemployment uh, is too low in their view, and that's driving inflation higher. I'm trying to rein that in with their interest rates. So, however, John Carney, on his analysis of Breitbart, which you can read in our Breitbart Business Digest, which we work on together every day, um, actually suggests that that number is still too high and there's still too much employment and we need to do more to rein in inflation. 
So just some food for thought for you, a contrarian take from Carney. I think a lot of people probably see these numbers and see the unemployment tick up in the big way, 239,000 last month. Um, but still not quite enough. And if it isn't enough, then that means we're going to see higher interest rate hikes, which are already super high as is, but they can certainly go higher. You know, I think it was in the 90s or so they were significantly higher than they are right now. So, all right, the producer price index shows inflation eased a bit, but it's still at a elevated levels. Carney writes that prices received by U.S. producers sank half a percent in March, sign the price pressures may have begun to ease after several months of resisting efforts by the Fed. So economists have forecast producer price index to be flat for the month, being no overall change. The decline indicates price levels fell, and that is large decline since the pandemic. So uh, it seems like we're starting to see some of the Fed's hikes, which have been going on for a long time, almost a year, take hold. Uh, more details every day, Breitbart Business Digest. You can't miss it. It's really some of the best content we produce at Breitbart. Um, and we have Carney on the show once or twice a week, maybe, but that's about, but you can't get it all. All right, other stuff that's out there. In a woke update here, um, the lot of controversy with Dylan Mulvaney, who is a man who impersonates a small female child who is now racking up endorsement deals like He's James Harden. Um, Anheuser-Busch, Bud Light, which we now know that the person in charge of marketing for Bud Light is a woke millennial woman who doesn't want the brand to be as fratty as it is. I, I was thinking about this. To suggest that Bud Light is too fratty like fraternities. I understand the point in a vacuum, but if you really break it down, if you really think about it, this is Bud Light saying Anheuser-Busch, AB InBev, a huge international conglomerate, that they don't like their clientele. They don't like you if you're drinking this product. And we have one reporter, Bright Party is well known to you guys, who is a 100% Bud Light only consumer. Uh, it's a one of these things that some people do, they just latch onto one. Specific beverage. The I, I'm in a different phase of my life. I'm in the variety phase of my life. Uh, if I'm having an adult beverage, I'm rarely having two in a row with the same thing. But there are certain people who just latch on to one thing, and that's their thing. Um, and uh, it's the a lot of people just they're just Bud Light people through and through. Well, Bud Light is saying, telling you, Anheuser Busch is telling you that they don't like you very much. They like different people. They want people who are men who impersonate small girls to be their clientele. They don't want you to be their clientele. Uh, Nike's done the same thing. Nike has had Dylan Mulvaney, a man, model sports bras for them. So people on, and it is unbelievably bizarre. It is almost upsetting because of the ridiculousness of this. I mentioned on Monday's show, I talked quite a bit about this, and this will come up a lot. I'm not convinced at all that we on the right are winning this battle, that we are on the right are winning the culture wars and the trans stuff. It just feels like we're fooling ourselves. 
we talk about go woke, go broke, and I'm convinced more and more, if you look at the stocks, it's marginal difference. Um, conservatives are going crazy because Anheuser-Busch InBev's stock is down since the Dylan Mulvaney ad. But it's not down this month. It's still up this month. So uh, hold your horses. And we report on this at Breitbart because, you know, we, we don't want to deprive you of this stuff. Um, but if you look over the last month, the stock is up from 60 bucks to 64 bucks. Now, when the Dylan Mulvaney ad came out, the stock was at 66 bucks. So what are we talking about here? We're fooling ourselves. The ESG system that we have entered into says that this stuff is helpful to businesses. So anyway, um, a lot of individuals that were burning their Nike bras on TikTok, which is a social media platform frequented mostly by Gen Z, which is interesting, shows there's some hope out there. And the mean, in the meantime, Dylan Mulvaney, a man, has honored his 365th day of girlhood. <laughs> I mean, you got to admit that we we can get out trolled too. I mean, we get a lot of good trolls on our side, a lot of good memes. Uh, we got a full-time troll elected president, Donald Trump, and I, I don't say that insultingly at all. So they've got, uh, in the middle of all this, Dylan Mulvaney's celebrating his 365th day of girlhood, a man. Um, I mentioned this also briefly Monday. Uh, it's worth mentioning again that Jack Daniels uh, is the latest brand that is not happy with their clients, normal American men for the most part. Um, this is a sad one, and I, I am a occasional consumer of uh, adult beverages, as are many of you. And the company Brown Foreman, which owns Jack Daniels, has been, I would say, maybe the most conservative to this point. There's some pretty good companies uh, in this in this area of consumerism when it comes to both product quality and resistance to wokeness. And Brown Foreman has been at the very top. Um, they make a lot of amazing products. Uh, Jack Daniels, old number seven is okay. Uh, but it's the, which is what they sell most of their products, but their high end stuff is just unbelievable, mind blowingly good. And they've somehow resisted all of the woke BS. Um, they've also got other brands, old forester, Woodford reserve, other stuff like that, which is, um, has some good products as well. But I, a lot of people don't know this about Jack Daniels. So their high end stuff is just, just ridiculously good and fairly easy to find relative to some of their competitors. Uh, and now they're doing this thing where they are doing a RuPaul drag race. Drag queen summer camp. Almost seems like a joke. The Jack Daniels drag queen summer camp. You know why? Because it's a as a consumer of their product, I'm not a good enough consumer for them. A mainstream American male, votes Republican, married my high school sweetheart, have a bunch of children, pay a bunch in taxes. Not good enough. They don't want me. They don't want you. They want drag queens. That's their clients. So all of you who identify that product, like that product, think it's a good product, 
you're the wrong consumer. The right consumer is the woke consumer. The right consumer is the consumer that is a man who dresses like a woman, preferably in front of children. We presume. Um, that's an upsetting one, but then again, it's not, I mean, it's, you know, it's not good for you drink too much. So, um, but it'll definitely, it, it, it will inform my purchases going forward. I'll tell you that. And if I wasn't already so disappointed in everything, I, I might be disappointed in this one. Nefarious is the new movie. It is out now today as we are recording this. Sean Patrick Flannery is the star and it's just a super juicy role for an actor. I didn't didn't act much as a kid, but uh, I was uh, very much peripherally involved in that world. And uh, this is the type of type of role actors just eat up. Sean Patrick Flannery gets it. He does a great job in it. The movie is out nationwide today so you can check it out let's hear from the star of the film nefarious right now sean it is great to have you on the show i've appreciated your work for a long time i was just looking through imdb of over a hundred credits unbelievable i think a lot of people probably know you from the boondock saints from late 90s and you've just worked consistently just unbelievable uh, credit to you for that level of longevity um nefarious is terrific let's talk let's start there and then maybe we'll go back a little bit uh, tell me about the film uh, well, first of all, thanks for the kind words, man. And I uh, apologize, I'm hoarse. I had to teach uh, uh, my kids uh, jiu-jitsu class last night uh, and and wrestling back-to-back, so I'm a little <laughs> hoarse. Um, the film, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 these these uh, roles come few and far between. Um, I worked with a, a couple of gentlemen, Chuck and Carrie, back in 2004 on a project. And at the culmination of that film, I told them, Man, guys, I would do a Fruit Loops commercial with y'all, and I meant it. They're two of the most talented <laughs> cats I've ever worked with. And uh, a year and a half ago, they called me and they said, "Hey, we got a Fruit Loops commercial." And I said, "I said, let's go make it." And uh, they said, "Well, let me send you the script first. Let me know what you think." And they sent me Nefarious, and it is one of the most surgically crafted characters I've ever read. Uh, normally, normally roles like that go to you know, the A-list celebrities out there and they, they happened to call me and it, it was a, it was a real gift to land in my lap. I, uh, to be a part of a film like that is nothing short of amazing. You know, you, you like, roles like that are why you drive out to LA to, to try and pursue a career in acting in hopes that one day you'll get a role like that. So it's a, uh, it was a great opportunity for me. It is. I come from a theater family and it does kind of come off as a uh, pretty much a perfect role for an actor you get to do so many uh, different things and it, it almost is the, the movie's almost like a play it, it is a lot of it is about two characters uh, you play a man condemned to die who may or may not be possessed I'll leave that to, to the audience to figure that out and uh, a attorney a guy named Jordan Belfi uh, plays that who a lot of people recognize from entourage other stuff like that so he's been a, a lot of stuff uh, Hollywood chops uh, as well and uh, he's questioning you about whether or not you should face the electric chair and uh, you get to do all sorts of different nuances as an actor that must have been you must have never had a role like this I can't imagine I mean these things just really come up 
Yeah, you know, it, it, it's. Uh, I, I said the same thing about a film I got to do way back in 1995 called Powder. And um, sure. I, I thought that was one of those roles that, you know, you, you hope to get in one career. Um, and, and, and now, oddly enough, I got a second opportunity. But, yes, the, the, the way that it's written and, and when, a, when a script is written that well, the preparation is limited to whatever's between fade in and fade out. I mean, that whole script was an instruction manual on exactly how to create that character. It was, uh, it, I, I, I think they're two of the best writers in the entire Hollywood industry. So let's talk about the preparation for a role like this. How do you get into the mindset of you're playing someone who is not one character, you're really playing two characters. You're playing the possessed man who may or may not be putting on a show for the attorney who's questioning him. Uh, the audience can figure that out when they watch the film. Uh, and then you're playing a man who is a deeply troubled, perhaps schizophrenic, someone who's clearly committed some sins. You're really playing two roles in one. How do you toggle back and forth? How do you get in the mindset? You can't do, um, you know, you can't do method acting. You can't walk around as just one individual because the you're really playing two roles. You, you know, I, I, I think what you said is pretty accurate. Um, I've never been a method actor. Um, on every film I've ever done, that character dies at rap and starts at action and leaves at cut. I don't take anything with me. I don't sacrifice any part of my soul. I've never channeled anybody. I mean, I hear all these stories, but I, I don't even know what they're talking about, to be honest. Um, it doesn't mean <laughs> that I don't take my craft seriously. I do. Sure, of course. Um, I, I read the script top to bottom, and the more well-written it is, the more I can wholeheartedly believe it. And when you believe it, your body will react accordingly. But exactly what you said, if, if you do have to become someone, I don't know how quick you could leave that and become somebody else. But I've never become anybody. I'm Sean Flannery at my core with my same ideas, thoughts, secrets, dreams, values, ethics, morals. And that never wavers. Um, so in, in essence, it is a, a little bit of make-believe. It's, it's acting. So... Uh, you know, I, it, it's and maybe that minimizes it. Maybe that makes it sound a little, you know, pedestrian. But I, th I think it, it, at its core, um, that's that's the only way that I know how to do it. Um, I read the script. I believe in it. I start to make decisions. What would this guy look like? What would he sound like? Um, what, 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 what's the emotional state that he would go through? And it, it's just like you do two different movies with two different characters. Um, you just put them back to back. <laughs> um, I don't, uh, I really only have one way that I know how to do it. And although I've heard the stories of other people, I, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know if I'm capable of channeling or becoming anybody. Um, but I, you know, I, I put my heart into this role, so I hope people believe it. Yeah, this is a really terrific piece of acting but it's also a terrific piece of filmmaking nefarious is the movie out today uh, which you can see it nationwide people can go to who is nefarious.com to find more we're uh, promoting it heavily at breitbart uh, which is one thing I, I have to bring up which is so cool that you guys are marketing heavily towards right of center audiences which uh, to see a movie with mainstream stars in it, familiar faces, see something that is glossy and high quality, clearly made with a good with a good budget. Uh, we don't get that type of treatment, Sean. You are probably aware of this. Uh, and uh, it's very cool that this has been the plan. 
Uh, were you part of these decisions to kind of market towards a right of center audience? And uh, if so, uh, can you give us some insight into that? Well, you, you know, when Chuck and Kerry approached me and, you know, I, I've, like I said, I've known them since 2004. I, I, we, one of the reasons that I loved working with them is we seem to be cut from rather the same cloth. Um, so when they reapproached me for this, I told them, you know, my thoughts on, a, a large percentage of you know faith-based films and right of center yeah. films they're in my opinion and i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but they're just not good uh i i, I believe in support the con i, I sure. believe in support the content but uh you know i i, I just because you're, you you have good morals doesn't mean that you can you know play guitar like eddie van halen <laughs> it's just right. you know um, right. and and so i told him i said you know i i you, you, when I read the script, I said, this script is worthy of everything the best Hollywood has to offer, and you should treat it like this. Um, I think it stands on its own across party lines, across religious lines, because it's such a good story. Um, and in that, I think it, it, it becomes a very digestible message. Um, it's not heavy-handed. It is a no. very organic story. Um, so, you know, I do think that uh, there is a place for really every demographic to enjoy this film. Now, look, you're always going to get some people that are butthurt simply because of one scene. I mean, I can't tell. I, I mean, you know this industry just like I do. I've already gotten my DMs on social media have been filled with, like, I'll never watch your your movies again. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, wow. it, it's truly, yeah, it's truly shocking. Some of the, I, I mean, you, you, some of it you can read on. And, and what's the basis for that? Like, what, what, what are the, put some more color on it just because the audience will be curious to know. Well, I mean, you know, like I, I, I got one tweet that says, look, I know it's a paycheck, but why would you ever do a movie like this? Um, yeah. Look, you, you, you know, the, the, the there is a, a, a fictional character in the script that uh, starts talking about the inner workings of the devil and hell and how he relates to um, believers and God and how the whole process took place and how, how he gets people to do things, um, to come to his side. And unfortunately, uh, the, 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 it, it is a big mirror that forces you to walk in front of. Mm -hmm. And either laugh and walk out of a theater and go, that's just hokey or go, wow, that's uh, that sounds a little bit like me. Um, it, 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 it is such a well executed story that doesn't ask you for introspection. It forces introspection. Um, and whether you hate me for doing this movie or not, I guarantee you that on the drive home, you will be asking your own self questions more than you will be tweeting about me. Uh, absolutely. And one thing about the film is it does raise a lot of interesting questions about faith. I think it does speak directly to people who might be atheist or agnostic. It does take on really challenging issues, issues like abortion, things like that. And I won't give uh, any spoilers because everyone, I think, in the audience uh, should take my word for it and check out the film. Uh, but I, I want to ask you specifically about the power of faith-based movies that don't take faith for granted. Uh, my favorite faith-based movie ever is The Exorcist, which is about a crisis of faith. Uh, that's what this is about in a lot of ways. It's about trying to 
uh, understand that faith isn't a given. It's not that uh, a whatever it is that you believe we're always believers are questioning constantly and we're constantly confronted with that. And no one who is a committed non-believer if for those of us who do believe uh, that we think that they're lost. We think they can come, come to God and understand God to some degree at, at some point, given the right circumstances. And those are really complex issues. And those all come through in the film. Well, they do. And, and, and I think it, it it's a, uh... You know, the, the thought field out there is incredibly fertile right now. Um, if ever there is a time, I mean, certainly everybody from the previous generation has to be thinking society is possibly circling the drain right now. And I know every yeah. previous every previous generation has thought that. The only difference is now, myself and a lot of people included, I don't know how much further you can go without actually going into the drain at this point. You know, mm. even, even – even my dad and my granddaddy, you know, could say, I can't believe this is happening. But even they could go, there's no way they could go further, two inches further and do this, or go four inches further and do this, or go six inches further. They just couldn't believe that. At this right. point, I can't hypothesize two inches further. I don't know what else. I don't, I don't know an extended level of depravity that's in the future. Um, so if there ever, ever is a time to go, regardless of what you think, let's really think if this is a good thing or a bad thing you know albert schweitzer uh, famously said you know good is that which promotes life evil is that which destroys life it's as simple as that um you know at some point you have to you have to open your closet and you have to look look on your own actions and make your own decisions but and i think this 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 uh this film in a very artistic organic way opens up that closet door well, I'm hoping I'm hoping this opens up a lot of doors for a lot of people when make these types of movies. Who is nefarious.com? The movie is nefarious. Sean, pa- Sean Patrick Flannery is the star. He's on with me now. Uh, this is it's deeply Christian filmmaking, but it is also made for an adult audience, uh, not 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 in the adult audience sense that people think of with the you know colloquialisms. But this is made for grown-ups, and it is something that is deep. You will think deeply about the issues of life and faith when you watch the film and thereafter. Uh, but you'll enjoy yourself too, because it is a riveting stuff. And Sean's performance is really the centerpiece of it all. It kind of makes the whole, the whole film work. Uh, Sean, let me ask you about you a little bit. The, the Where do you call home these days? Uh, I'm in Texas. I'm outside of Houston, outside of the city limits. But, uh, you know, I grew up here. I was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana. grew up in Houston uh, from when I was three years old, all through college. Left to go to L.A. and uh, find some work. Did that uh, as soon as I met my wife and we knew we wanted to have kids. You know, she's from South Carolina. She's cut from the same cloth. So we uh, we had kids and bugged out, went right back to Texas. And that's where I am right now. Uh, that's what it seems like from your social media pre- uh, presence is that it's, it's very family oriented. It's not Hollywood oriented. But again, you've maintained a pretty amazing career. I think a lot of people are familiar with your work and those who aren't, I'm sure recognize you from certain things. Uh, uh, Boondock Saints is kind of a, a classic and that I, I just happened to watch that recently and it's just, it just really holds up. It's just really terrific. Uh, and it just must've been amazing. Uh, uh, just steroid shot into your career. And it's just, um, uh, how do you make it work being a guy who's making his living in Hollywood, quote unquote, but you're living in, Houston, which is really sort of Breitbart country. Well, it's uh, 
it, it, it happened. My parents got sick in 2015, so we bought a house. And, you know, the way I was raised, my mom, my dad, my mom, my granddaddy were at every sporting event. I didn't just see them on holidays. I, I saw my mom and granddaddy every day. And I always wanted that for my kids. And yeah. uh, my parents my parents getting sick kind of accelerated it. So we bought a house about 50 yards from my dad's, and the family fell in love with it. We were going to thinking about going back and forth, but we never actually did. We just sold everything. And, and we, our only regret is why didn't we do it sooner? Um, now, wow. you know, it, there was a worry, you know, am, am I going to, you know, am I going to be hurting my career? I have a family to feed. I, and I've always been a blue collar worker. You know, I've never had marquee roles that allow you to retire on sure. a, a fat payday. I've never had that. You know, I still work to, to pay bills and I'm grateful for that. You know, um, but I, I did worry about it. But the industry quickly, quickly changed with you know, the the with with the COVID stuff and and every every interview is now on Zoom. So really, there's there seems to be less and less of a need to actually be in LA. Um, and the quality of life, the expenses, everything, like everything, every metric across the board with the Flannery mm. family went up. And move to Texas. Wow. Every single one of them. What an endorsement! And for you, have you felt as though clearly there's a, a family benefit? But have people in the in the industry in your industry have you felt like that there has been a blowback uh, for your moving where you moved for you being at least not hostile to right of center politics, Christianity, etc. Uh, do you feel like that that's hurt your career? Do you care? I'm very curious about that. Well, look, n- nobody wants to hurt their career. And I-, I certainly hope that, you know, people hire in a meritocratic basis. I, I certainly know that that does that no longer exists. Um, but uh, I-, I do think I have a place in this industry. I'm confident with my, my skill set, but absolutely the way decisions are being made now. And it, you know, it's funny. I've made movies where I kill 10, 15 people and nobody has a problem with that. But if right. I play a role that says, you know, I believe you know, Jesus is our Lord and savior, that that's an issue. It's so odd when you think about it. I, I, I mean, in boondock saints, how many people, how many people got a shoot in the head um, <laughs> with, 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 you know, with no, um, you know, with, with no, you know, they, they didn't go through the justice system. Um, it's, it, it, it is a crazy time to be alive in this industry. And you know, what's funny, I'll tell you about my industry. I've been in the industry for 30 years. I have friends across the board. Sure. I have, and, and people that I've known for years, I've had people that want me to be the godparent of their child because they've known me for 30 years. And they say to themselves, if anything happens to me, Flannery. That's the dude I want to raise my kids. And wow. yet on social media, they post something like, if you think this, then unfriend me. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, you've known me for 30 years and you want me to take care of your child. Should anything happen to you? It, 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 it's, it's, you know, sometimes they look at, look at my kids and they, they think, wow, you and my wife have done a wonderful job raising your kids. They love the result. But if they saw the recipe, they would tend to hate it just based on the labels alone. But there's only one way that I have that. And, it, and, and a lot of it, uh, unapologetically, is traditional family values. Mm. Um, almost everything in my life good 
came from a somewhat conservative approach. That's athletics in a meritocracy, in a soul responsibility, in a you go out and earn it. Don't look for a gift, but you go and get it. It's hunt for adversity so I can leap over it. So I build psychological immunity so that in the real world, nothing will hurt me if it gets up in front of me. Almost everything has come from somewhat of a conservative principled approach. And I, 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 I'm not embarrassed by that. It's, it's the way that I want to raise my kids. But I love well, a ton of people in Hollywood who would violently disagree with some of the things that they, that, 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 that they find out that I've done or thought. But they love the Well, it, Sean, it, it, it's really bold of you to live this way. It's bold of you to make a film like this, Nefarious. Who is Nefarious.com? Uh, it, it's really just riveting stuff and everyone should check it out and to support people who are making content that I think has this audience in mind specifically. So credit to you, Sean, and I I hope you come back soon, but I do got to take a break. I'll be right back. I'm American made. that's today's broadcast thanks so much to zach jones who puts it together our producer bill barnett robert marlowe and others who make the show possible including you our loyal audience can't thank you enough for promoting us and telling people what we do going to see movies like nefarious and helping support our sponsors as well all helps a lot and we'll talk to you next time and i won't apologize